Heavenly Father, thank you for this day that you've given us to come here to worship, to come together, your children, as you've asked us to, not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as some have done and gone shipwreck. We need each other. And thank you, Lord, for teaching us and growing us in love, because you said that this is how your disciples will be known to the world, their love one for another. Let this be a place where people can come and be healed everywhere they hurt empowered to walk the Christian life that you've paid for and the grace you've given us, loved with your perfect love and prospered in every way. Thank you for using me today for the anointing that rests on your precious word. Plow it deep into the hearts of those who hear here and in the future. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, if not, I'm just going to read it to you. Here in a second. But we started off this year talking about, uh, it's, it's such a perfect opportunity being 2020 to talk about vision. And uh, so that's what I've been seeking the Lord about. And he's making it more and more abundantly clear to me that what he, the vision that he has in mind for his people in 2020 is not a, a plan or a picture, uh, a design for their future uh, or the new church building or any of that, although that may be something that he gifts to us. Amen? Amen. But what he has in mind Regarding that 2020 vision is to help people to see more clearly. Jesus mentioned many times in the scriptures, those who have ears to hear, let them hear it. And don't you know everyone in the audience, probably mostly at least, had ears. He was talking to them in spiritual terms. He often talked to them in spiritual ways and parables. And those are the things that now we have the opportunity to grow in and to understand and be empowered by. Everyone seeks after meaning and purpose and fulfillment and truth in this life. I would say that's a universal thing. Whether they're sitting in a church, whether they worship someone or something else. And I mean, that could be Someone who is not a God, who is still in his grave. It could be someone who worships Jesus Christ. It could be someone who worships their job or their authority or a car. Everybody looks for these things to find meaning and purpose and fulfillment and truth in this life. Young and old. Amen. That little scripture grabbed my attention in Ecclesiastes chapter 11. And it's the last verse, and it's just the last portion of that, because he goes on to say, Put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Childhood and youth And the things that we chase after while we're trying to mature and to grow. And what he's saying is, is put all that away. It's vanity. 
Now, vanity, your, your, your version, if you have the NIV, NIV, would say meaningless. It interchanges meaningless. But vanity, in the way that we think of it today, it's not in the way they wrote about it in the Bible. It's not being proud of your appearance, as we would think of vanity. Vanity was something that empty. Meaningless is not a bad terminology, but something that's empty, insignificant, or meaningless. Not that everything that we do in life has no value or meaning to it, but as far as God is concerned, what he's saying is it doesn't matter whether you're young or old or all of the stages in between, or if you're young and feel old, or if you're old and feel young. (laughs) Amen. Just that the differences between old age and, and youth, meaningless, empty. They don't contain important truths regarding life, the only true life which is found in God. The real truths for life, whether known or unknown, for that matter, are the same for everyone. There was a bumper sticker that said, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. There's a problem there. God said it, that settles it. Whether you believe it or not, it's still true, you see. Now, you believing it has some value to you. Because without that belief, it may not be true for you. It it may not manifest in your life, you see. It's true that if I go 100 miles an hour down 290, I will get a ticket. I can. I may not believe that. You see what I mean? It won't matter what I believe, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to run smack into the back of some stop traffic probably, right? Yeah, exactly. Paul in, well... I shouldn't say Paul. Hebrews is the one book that we're not quite sure who wrote, but I believe Paul wrote it. But Hebrews 5.12, he's talking to them, and he's trying to explain some very deep spiritual things. Deep calleth unto deep. And he's telling them about how they have, God, Jesus has become a priest in the order of Melchizedek, which is without beginning and without end, and all these things that are very hard to explain. He said, but i got to go back. While, while some of you ought to be teaching by now, i got to go back. And explain the rudimentary details of Christ. And faith and of life. And and that's okay. But there's a place where the logos or the written word can become rhema. The now word. Would you have... Would you rather have a relationship with someone who sends you a letter from time to time from overseas? Or would you rather have them standing right beside you all the time where you can consult with them, talk to them, lean on them? Which is better? There's really no no comparison. And that's the difference night and day with a life of faith, with the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us. 
and a life of just trying to learn about God through this Word. What do you say? You can, I know people that know this Bible way better than I do, and they have no revelation knowledge. It kind of makes very religious people sort of uh, angry sometimes. We've had some experience with some who have come over and, and actually received the fullness of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and so forth, and they finally go, ah, and they say, that used to make me so mad. I would hear uh, all the training and, and, and uh, degrees I had, and I would hear people uh, that were basically unlearned, uh, and they would have all this wealth of information about God that I just... I couldn't. I didn't. I couldn't see it. How did they get that light bulb going on? You see, but that's what we're after, and we will get there, Lord willing. But I just want to make a few quick points. Lay it out. Very simple message today, because. Regarding that meaning and that purpose and that fulfillment and the truth that we're all looking for in this life. It's only found in Jesus Christ. That's the long and the short of it. It's the same for everyone. Whether they know it or not, whether they like it or not. You can learn to live a relatively good life and do good things. And it will be of some temporal benefit to you in this life. To be smart. You know, hey, don't don't shoot drugs into your body. Okay, that's going to help you in this life, you see. But it's not going to earn you anything with God. You get my point? Three things I want to point out that are essential parts of the Christian life. And one is a word that you'll be familiar with, and it's loyalty. Everybody knows loyalty. They know what that means. You know, it's not a very... It's not one you find often in the, the scriptures. But believe me, it's, a, it's very scriptural. It's very scriptural because what we call faith, in large part, can be best explained as loyalty. Amen. Or oh me. <laughs> a, a person that says they walk by faith has to be a faithful person. I used to have problems with the NIV and, and the, 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 the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When the King James said faith, temp, meekness, and temperance. And, and a lot of scholars would say those are different things. And let me tell you what I found. The Hebrew and the Greek word for faith and for faithfulness are the same. They do not differentiate. You cannot say that you are a person of faith and not be faithful. Hello? (laughs) And I'm not talking about some people you you can be a very religious person and say that you walk by faith. I'm not talking about the faith that believes in a set of sentences. I'm talking about faith, which is the loyalty to a person. The Lord Jesus Christ. 
The only kind that really matters. You cannot separate the two and really be walking in Christian faith. And we are called to a life of faith. And Jesus said, when I return, will I even find faith? Take it easy. (laughs) Thunderous applause. (laughs) Be seated, everyone. (laughs) Doing cartwheels through the eyes. If you only... I'll put it this way. I say faith is not just in a, a, a set of sentences that you believe. If, if, if when times get hard and you're going through, I look at you and I see. I know some of you. I know some of the things just... And I know myself. When the going gets tough, if it's just a what you believe, if you just... Are settled on what you believe. It's only going to take you so far. It better be a who you believe. It better be loyalty to a person. Paul was in prison in 2 Timothy. Chapter 1 verse 12. And he was writing. He wrote a large part of the New Testament from prison. He said I... Know whom I have believed. So he was content. He wasn't ashamed. He wasn't worried. He would often encourage others in his letters. And sometimes it gets so personal. You see, he's asking, when you do come, bring that, that extra coat that I left. And the, and the scrolls. He, he was looking, he wanted the word. And, he, and just something to help him be a little more warm, you know. Believe me, their jails weren't like ours. There was a time when Paul got to be in a rented house, but he wasn't always like that. He was beaten and left for dead. The apostles brought him back to life, I believe, and I believe that's when he went into the heavens. And, and That's another... Stay on point. Anything short of putting your faith and faithfulness in Jesus Christ is not true biblical faith. Are we talking about the age gaps and the generations? There's no gap. The same needs and the same answers apply to everyone. Life is short. Very short. Today's my wife's birthday. This, this is... We were born, uh, you know, we were high school sweethearts. We were born in the same room, the same delivery room in the same hospital. That's the only part of that hospital that's still standing. Nine months apart. And so this is the start of the day for, for a little over three months out of every year. She's the same age as I am. <laughs> but, you know, I remember that first time. Yeah, she, we forget how old we are sometimes. I remember looking across that wine gardens parking lot. We used to cruise, cruise Palmer Highway, you know. She wasn't supposed to be out. A little young still. Oh, you're 15, I was 16, something like that. I still remember 
seeing her across that parking lot. I saw, I see her now. And it seems like yesterday. You see. You young folks, you know, I, you're going to have a long, prosperous, happy life. But in general, it's brief. This is not our home. Our home is in heaven where we'll live forever with Jesus. And it's beautiful. There'll be no tears. There'll be no sickness. There'll be no sorrow. He'll wipe away every tear. The next thing is friendship. Familiar with friendship, aren't we? Everybody wants to have friends. It's God created us in His image. Our emotions are the same emotions that God has. We have to learn how to control them. We're not supposed to be governed by our emotions. We're supposed to govern them. And we'll learn about that if you give me a chance sometime. You know, you can't quit stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from making a nest up there. I can't help what I think. Okay, let's put a TV screen on your forehead projecting all your thoughts. You'll change. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Most people are looking for friends. You know, they want friends. They, They like to have a... A real personal friend, maybe maybe some of you don't really have anyone that you can completely and totally rely on, that you're totally committed to and is committed to you. But I thank God for my wife again. It's her day. It's funny. She does not like the light shine on her, so I'm sorry, honey. But, but when I think of that, I, I think of my wife. You know... When we find out who our friends really are when we, when we go through some things, you know, right? You ever really been down and out, really hurting? This woman has done things for me that I wouldn't ask anyone to do. I couldn't help myself, you know. I'll never forget that. I love her forever, always did, already did, but man, now... How much more, you know? But I remember the days also when I remember having a lot of money. I went like this in my life. Up and down and up and down and up and down and having nothing. We grew up with not too much. She never lacked for anything because her mother was a tither. But I, I, you know, me and and mom, we had it pretty rough. (laughs) But we've also had a lot. But, you know, there's, that only goes so far. Those good time buddies. You know the story of the Good Samaritan? Got his inheritance. Basically told his father, when she dropped dead, he told him he got his half before his father ever died. And he went and spent it all off on prodigal living. And when he ran out of money, he ran out of all his friends. Who's the guy that had Sun Records? Uh, um, he had Elvis and Johnny Cash and all them. Sam Phillips. He said Charlie Rich was the greatest singer he ever had through there. And he had all those greats, you know. Charlie Rich, I used to love him. Played the piano, the silver-haired fox, you know. Country music. He had that song, Good Time Charlie's Got the Blues. That's what he's talking about. Everybody's leaving town, you know. 
all them good time buddies kind of dry up. Young people these days, especially with the breakdown of the family in this country, in the world, really. These kids are going through life it's almost like an island. They just withdraw and they, they just work on their thumb muscles and, you know, no offense to anyone. It's just, it's just part of what they, people put them in front of a television or on a laptop by the time they can crawl and that's their babysitter and these kids don't even know what it means to have real friends, you see. And when we get older, some of us, have built some walls because we've had friends that, you know, turned out not to be so great friends. And that hurts the worst sometimes. And when we're supposed to keep our hearts pure against bitterness and unforgiveness and hurt and cast all those cares on the Lord, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we give Him a lot, but we're hiding a couple of things behind our back. Amen. But the good news is, part of the Christian life is having a friend in Jesus. Friendship. A friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's what it says in Proverbs 18.24. And I've found that to be true in my life for the last 12 years or so. 13, I don't know. Anyway, when I had my encounter with him, encounters, it's, it changed me. And now, no matter what I've been through, or go through, or the situations and circumstances of my life, I turn continually to the friend who sticks closer than a brother. The one who said, he'll never leave me or forsake me. The one who says he loves me more than I could even imagine. The one who spoke to me and told me that I'm his child and he's pleased. Just like he told Jesus. How can you beat that? How can we not tell kids about that? We need to start preaching Jesus. We need to start telling them about Jesus. You know, that's what I do everywhere I've been. I've preached to prisons. I've been in down on Montrose, the Montrose Street Outreach. You know, I thought it was just going to be a bunch of young crackheads. No. Every walk of life you can imagine I preach the same thing to them Jesus loves you I preach to rooms of hundreds of ministers only hardest nuts to crack still trying to get some of them saved (laughs) tell them about Jesus how much he loves them quit telling people they have to earn that then they quit inviting me back (laughs) and I'm telling you Jesus loves you and he's the friend that you're looking for the third thing and the final thing is commitment now that's the one that's kind of gets a little sketchier everybody likes the loyalty they like the friendship but when we talk about commitment that's hard for that's hard for everybody it's hard to make to be committed. Well, I don't know. Some of us should maybe be committed. I'm talking about to commit. <laughs> you can't be a real Christian without a personal commitment to Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you that right now. 
And it's not easy. But he said in Matthew 16, 24, anyone who would come after me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Jesus spoke very clearly. We just don't like to look at some of the things he said because they, they're kind of hard. They're beautiful if you're in agreement and walking with them. But when he's rubbing the rough edges off, like those smooth stones that uh, David got from the brook, how do you think they got smooth? The water rushed over them and knocked them together and banged on them and the water rushed over them for years and years and years. Smoothed out all the rough edges. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do with you. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Committing is hard, but it's easier if you start young. I would say. Kids, you know, that's why Jesus said we need that childlike faith. Come to me. My mom had it. My wife has it. It is, you know, like those songs, Jesus loves me in this little light. That's it, man. That's it. You don't need to go no further than that. That's all I need to know. I'm good. Me and Jesus. I wish I had that. I'm a little more analytical. He had to beat me over the head with it. I found out the number five was the number for grace. And he's like, I'm like, Lord, I was born five, five, sixty-five, the youngest of five. He's like, duh. <laughs> we were on our way to a Bible study where I was supposed to I was supposed to teach on Revelation to a bunch of really religious folks, and I was like, Lord. All the grace and truth you've been showing me. Am I supposed to tell them that? Can I do it? And what went across in front of Tavana and I at the red light? A big suburban with painted with the with the shoe polish on the window. Go, Will, number five. <laughs> Everywhere we went for months, it seems like I'd step on a $5 bill. I'd never found a $5 bill in my life. He had to really talk me into it. <laughs> yes, I love you. Yes, I did do all this for you too. <laughs> it gets harder though when we get older to commit because we get encumbered. We get committed to other things. Some of it's just part of life. You, know, you get a house, you got to pay for it. You get a job, you get a car, you got relationships and this and that and it's better when you're young. You don't have so much responsibility. Oh, I'll just let my kid wait till they get older and they'll decide for themselves. That's not your job. You're, you have them on loan from God to raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord, teaching him, them about Jesus and His ways and His truth. And then you give them back to Him when they're 18 or so. <laughs> <laughs> And then they'll be back every few years till they're 35. <laughs> no, I take that back. I'm not prophesying. On <laughs> but the Lord would rather we have a simple life so that we can just say, Lord, here I am. I'm, I commit my life to you. But so many of us have to look around like the people that, that Jesus talked about in his parables and one one said oh he said follow me he said oh i just bought a pair of oxen i gotta go try them out you know the other one said oh uh let me go bury my dad first 
He wasn't sympathetic. You remember what he said? Let the dead bury the dead. You follow me. Does that mean he doesn't? He just mean, malicious, doesn't care? No. It means what I said about this life being like that, just a flicker. This isn't our home. That's what's most important is the kingdom of God. And that's how serious it is. Amen. Amen. A lot of people say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm living a life of faith, I, but I, um, I'm just not getting the results of, of, of faith like you say. Well, they're not walking in true faith. It's just that simple. Whether it's me or you or anybody else, I'm not being critical. The truth is the truth. If you don't have a real commitment to Jesus, you're not going to benefit. You're not going to receive all the benefits of the grace that He's provided. I used to just, I usually just say that faith is our positive response to what Jesus has already provided by grace. In other words, you can have faith, but if it's not something Jesus died to give you, you can, you know. You can't say you have standing in faith for somebody else's husband or wife. You know what I'm saying? He didn't die to give you that. He's not going to rig the lottery for you either. (laughs) But he did die for your healing. Poverty is not of God, it's of the devil. Jesus bore all the aspects of the curse on his body on the tree. And everything he paid for and bore on his body, the punishment... For your sin, the judgment, your shame, your guilt, your condemnation, he took it. Your poverty, he took it. Strife, sickness, he took it. Double jeopardy. Why would you want to endure something that he already paid for? If, if, in other words, if you, if you were sentence say in that in the time period instead of being crucified on the cross that was your sentence by the way and he took it but just say you were going to get 40 lashes and he stepped up and he took them for you would you then go well I still need to take my own after he already took them for you Jesus requires loyalty commitment He's not just a convenience. Understand? Some of us only run to Him when things get bad. And it's better than never. Don't get me wrong. I'm not putting down, you know, we can talk about all our different prayer lives and how some of them are anemic and some of them are really over the top or whatever. But, you know, I'm not going to criticize anything that you're doing. But there may be a better way. Put Jesus first. Commit to Him. Make yourself completely at His disposal because He's not just a convenience. He's not just a heavenly uh, fixture or slot machine, you know. But He wants you to come to Him. So you take a step toward Him, He'll take two towards you. He says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And he says, then you will come to me and pray to me with all your heart. And then I'll reveal myself to you and I'll show you wonderful things that you didn't know. He just wants you to, he chased you long enough. 
Now that he caught you, he wants you to chase him around a little bit. It's like any relationship. It goes both ways. Amen? All that. So keep yourself in a position to receive the things he's already put on account for you. You don't have to earn them. This is not about earning anything. It's just about positioning yourself to receive the things, life, a life of faith that he has provided by grace. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord search the earth to and fro, looking for someone, like I'm describing here, who is loyal, dedicated, devoted, sold out to God. So he can show himself strong in their life. I like that. Here's the key and I'm done. First John. Not the Gospel of John. The first epistle in the back. John. First John chapter 2. I was going to go to verse 17, but I'll start at verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, now let me qualify this, because you remember John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So God doesn't hate the world, but what he's saying is the world system the world order, this one world government, this universalism, the universe is speaking to me nonsense and all that. The creation, worshiping the creation instead of the creator, you see? We need a biblical worldview, not the one that's coming from D.C., For all that is in the world, here's my point, and we're closing here. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. These are the three original sins. Everything goes into that category. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for this day and for your your precious word. We love you and we love you because you loved us first, just like the word says. We thank you for sending your son to die for us and to provide us with every good thing. We thank you, Lord, that in in 1 Peter we see that all all things pertaining to life and godliness have been given to us through the promises of of God through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So help us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to be committed and loyal to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and to seek Him out, the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.